0: Welcome to the Freaking Geeks Podcast, the flagship podcast of Freaking Geeks Media. In this podcast, hosts Michael, Sarah, and Barry crank the geekiness to 11, covering everything from movies and television to pop culture, video games, books, and so much more. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for coming. The podcast is produced each week, so feel free to add us to your favorite RSS feed or on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook the links will be in the show notes. Okay, now it's time to start the show.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Michael, and with me is my co-host, Sarah.
2: Hey, Geeks.
1: All right, before we get started, i um, just going to let you guys know um, I'm currently getting over uh, being sick. Um, I guess I'm, I'm still sick. Um, I'm on the I've I've crusted the hill. I'm now officially coming down on the other side of being sick, um, at least the worst of it. But I do still have uh, a cough, uh, which I'll definitely try not to do. So Sarah is going to be kind of leading the podcast tonight. Um, I'll certainly provide wow. my my thoughts and my insight and everything into it if I can, but um, I may not do as much talking as usual. Some may actually think that's a good thing. So if that's what you enjoy, the fact that I'm not going to be able to talk, then this will be a great podcast episode. So uh, all right, Sarah. Um yeah, let let's well actually, you know, before I hand it over to you, do you want me to just kind of do the the rundown? Sure. For us? Go okay. For it. All right. So um obviously looking at the title of this, you know that we're gonna be reviewing the Joker. Uh, it was released on September 6th of 2019, October. Sorry, October 6th. Thank you. That was <laughs> my fault for the wrong month. Um,
2: it's gone by fast to be honest. Yeah. It still feels right. like September.
1: Uh, it was written and directed by Todd Phillips with a runtime of two hours and two minutes. And, uh, the budget for this actually is only 55 million, which I thought was I honestly to be a little lower, even though this movie is um it's got the look of a 70s film. Um, I just expected the budget to be higher, I guess. But that's an estimation, by the way. It's not like solid. It's 55 million estimation, uh at least at this point. But here's the fun thing <clears throat> for people that like to see the box office and how it's kind of the relation to the budget. So And
2: how well it's doing.
1: Right. So $55 million budget. Let's say you double that with, you know, at least double it, if not uh, triple that uh, for like the total cost, right? For the marketing and the cost of the film itself. So at the very least, this you know, let's say one hundred and ten to say one hundred and sixty million dollars. So far, this movie has brought in one hundred nineteen point eight million domestic, one hundred fifty two point two million foreign, for a total haul of two hundred and seventy two million dollars so far. Just um, a,
2: f- a weekend and a few days.
1: Really, right? So clearly the. The word of mouth has, has been uh, good. Um, it's getting a ton of reviews. There, there are definitely a, a lot of both. There's a lot An, of... Uh,
2: endless amount of reviews.
1: <laughs> endless amount of reviews. Negative, positive. There's, there's It runs the gamut, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and the cast is Joaquin Phoenix, of course, as uh, Arthur Fleck, Robert De Niro, Zazie Beetz, and Francis Conroy. There's others too, but those are definitely your big four right there so
2: and even those four it's like walking phoenix is 95 percent of this show
1: oh yeah <laughs> like, yeah this it, is it's
2: everybody a, else is to the side
1: it's a character study
2: very yeah. much so
1: yep so, so it it's uh it's definitely a movie i think looking at the totality uh, of it i i i knew i was going into something uh, and I was hoping at the end of the day, when the credits rolled, that I would be happy with the overall film, and I was, actually. Yeah. So, Good. <laughs> um, it's it's pretty fantastic, actually.
2: Yeah, like it, it's a movie that when I went and saw it, I was you know I was very happy coming out of the theater. It gave me a lot to think about, but it's been days later and it's still a movie that's like on the edge of my mind. I'm like constantly thinking about it, thinking about, you know, just so many details, this movie. Cause you can honestly watch this movie like again and again and see something new in it. And that's the kind of films I really, really love. Like ones that really pay attention to detail, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely.
2: And leave things up for interpretation.
1: Totally. There's definitely a lot to like here. Um, It's a fantastic movie. We should, however, do the one sentence review.
2: Yeah, we might as well. (laughs) Do you want to start?
1: Uh, Actually, you go ahead.
2: Okay, let me just grab it. All right. My one sentence review is... Joker takes an expansively interpretive script and pairs it with nothing less than a perfect performance by walking Phoenix and creates a permanent masterful mark on the DC
1: world. Very good.
2: And yours.
1: All right. So mine's, mine's pretty simple here. Um, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm eschewing the, you know, talking about any specific performance. This is what I wanted to say though. Um, uh, The Joker is a movie that will have you talking one way or another, regardless of whether you like it or not. And that is saying something.
2: That's true. (laughs) In double the meaning.
1: Yeah, it's true. And I think that that is, um, you know, okay. before we get into this, um, but what's the plot synopsis for, for the Joker?
2: So, Basically, Arthur Fleck is somebody who deals with some troubles mentally, clinical depression, along with pathological laughter, and he he honestly is somebody who really wants to bring joy into the world, but the world is just continuously crushing him until it puts him in a position where he just snaps, and takes actions against people that lead to darker and darker circumstances until he no longer views the world as something he wants to bring joy into. He just, you know, it becomes darkness for him, but he no longer views it at that way. It turns his life from tragedy to comedy, as he says.
1: Yeah. Yes.
2: Essentially.
1: Essentially. Um, and so, you know, spoiler alert, a spoiler alert. Sorry, moving forward. Spoiler. Um, so, with this movie, um, I, I was I was floored, honestly, by much of this movie. Um, you know, you you start to hear things in the interwebs, um, and. Over time, you know, if you're on the internet a lot and, you know, you and I, you know, we're, okay.
2: Avid internet fans. Yes.
1: Um, And I'm old enough now to the point where, you know, I've been on the internet for, you know, over 20 years. And as the internet has grown and changed and everything, it has matured. uh, One thing that you see is things kind of get filtered down through the internet And you get to you begin picking up on, you know, things. You hear things. Uh, But it's not the whole things, right? You you hear like whispers. You know, like um, you might hear an interview where some project is uh, being filmed, and and there's already talk about how good the performance of this actor is. Um, And then you'll hear uh, maybe a couple months later. you know more you know just a little bit like a bit of trivia a little bit a little nugget of of info um it's it's kind of like it reminds me of when the dark knight was done filming uh, and they were talking about how as the as the movie was being filmed the cast was already like the the cast and the uh people on the set I mean they were already kind of getting word out to the press and to you know anybody around Hollywood like this is going to be a phenomenal movie. Uh, this performance by Heath Ledger is just, it, we're not even done yet. And this is like amazing. So,
2: And I remember people being like, there's no way. I mean, it's Heath Ledger. Like he's not going to be a, a great Joker. And then yeah, he shocked us all.
1: Right. But, but you get, you, you start picking up on things. And as the internet has matured, I think that it's gotten better at kind of creating the hype. Um, Mm -hmm. it's not so much uh people on the set you know random whoever's getting the word out now there's intentional leaks right so it's the same thing that happened with this movie there's there's been the hype machine has been going on for months and months and months because word has spread for a long time um while they were filming it i was hearing things yeah. Uh, people are already talking about you know the look of the film and the performance by Joaquin Phoenix. We hadn't seen the first trailer, and I'd already heard a ton. So yeah, you know that's where we're at. And um, I f- I think it's just an interesting thing that uh, that happens, and then you see the, the finished product, and you find that all those whispers and all those things that you've been hearing have actually been true. Spot on. And uh, this movie for me was just—it uh, was stellar, and I think it has a lot to say. I think it's very dark. Um, the violence is hard to watch at times, but
2: that's one thing I would—I didn't have a problem with, but I know a lot of people did, and I don't know if it's just because <laughs> it's the way it's portrayed, how it's very realistic.
1: I think but, that's but the there's thing.
2: There's not a ton, but it's it's very in your face.
1: Well, it, it's it's the realism, right? Because yeah. I can I can sit and watch, um, Deadpool. I mean, just look at some of the stuff you see in Deadpool. It's well, crazy. even like
2: Saw, it's very yeah. serious, but you don't take it seriously. It's not <laughs> it's not set up to be super real.
1: Right, but you know, if you go back and you look at the se- the seventies, um, a lot of the films were were pretty violent, but it was a realistic. Violence and this mm-hmm. movie kind of emulates that. Um, but the one thing that I I do like about this film is there's all this talk, you know, after it premiered at festivals about you know, is this movie glorifying violence? I will say, I don't think that this film glorifies the violence. No, not and at all. The reason why it doesn't is because. And this is just from my personal opinion. I sympathize with Arthur Fleck initially. You're meant to, you know, because he's he's just doing and his job. And people like him, right? He's doing his job. He's not hurting anybody, and yet he's getting the shit beat out of him. You know,
2: mentally and physically.
1: Mentally and physically. And so you're like, dude, man, like you can't catch a break. But then, at some point in the film, when the darkness begins to come out of him. Um, you stop sympathizing with him. And so since you don't sympathize, because at some point in this movie, I'd stop sympathizing with Arthur Fleck because at some point he became worse than any of the people who hurt him. And I know that what this he does, you know, he's lashing out, right? in a world that has beaten him down, that has hurt him repeatedly. that has stripped him of all of his dignity. And I, I sympathize with that. But at some point, I, I stopped sympathizing because his acts became so violent and so hurtful that the violence wasn't connected to the sympathy. Does that make any sense at all?
2: No, that makes total sense. So,
1: so that's where I don't feel like it does glorified
2: yes yeah, it makes it very clear there's a turning point and and you're not it's set up in a way where you do sympathize with arthur but you sympathize with more that it's the people that slip through the cracks and get to this point and go through this kind of hardship in life you sympathize with the people and then, of course, when he, you know, takes actions to change that, you know, your sympathy stops because, you know, he's completely changed. It's no longer, you know, he's bearing the bearing this burden. He's taken the burden out and he's taking action to his own hand against people that may, may not really mm-hmm. deserve it.
1: Definitely. For sure.
2: It's just people that he thinks have wronged him, whether it's even they have wronged him or it's entirely a fantasy. He still feels they've wronged him and then he takes them out.
1: Right. And, uh, this, this film, um, definitely touches, obviously I think if you've seen this movie, it goes without saying it touches, uh, deeply on, on mental illness. Um, I mean, look, Arthur has been, he's, he's an ex, uh, asylum patient.
2: Yes,
1: so yeah, that's
2: important detail
1: right and that's that's important um so it, but it touches on mental illness and this movie does and um I think it it's one of the things it tries to say is not only is does the world beat down on a lot of people both physically and emotionally and mentally, but it also beats down even harder I think on those same people, but if you add in mental illness to that equation, it's it's like you're doing it to a regular person and then you kind of give it a multiplier. Um, and I think if yeah. with just the right ingredients, you get the joker. You get somebody who lashes out.
2: Just stopped being able to cope and... Right could no longer and it's a society also failed him in a way where like he no longer could get his medication couldn't have any counseling and he's put out on his own where he shouldn't be he should be treated and possibly put back into the asylum to be or at least watched closer but he's not and this is the result
1: it's definitely true um. You know, in terms of the story, uh, you know, this is a a two-hour movie, right? And so we don't have time uh, to mess around. And one of the things I like about this movie is that we get started right away. Of course, there's some setup, right? Because there needs to be. But it's not that far into this movie that his journey, his descent into hell, it starts,
2: yeah, it's over days. Right. And I think like the opening of this movie is particularly brilliant in setting up you know setting up the fact that he's endured this for so long and it's continuing to happen to him, but it's just it's getting worse and worse and so is his mental state. And I gotta talk about the opening scene. Two parts of it. One is of course, you know, he's putting on the makeup and he has like that tear and he's trying to Put on his own smile, and it's oh, walking. Through, it is like haunting how perfect that scene is, done in one take, by the way, brilliant. And then we get, you know, he gets a sign stolen, goes running after them kids, and they beat the crap out of him. And there's this just horrible moment. He's lying on the ground, and he re- like he looks like he's going to hold his side, but he actually reaches into his coat pocket. And pushes the button where water comes out of the flower on his lapel. Because even in that horrible like moment of, you know, he just got the shit kicked out of him. It's so tragic, but he's still making comedy in that moment and trying to make it a happy moment. And that is just, it is heartbreaking. It's it's an awfulsome moment where it's awful but wholesome at the same time. You know what I mean?
1: Yes, it is. Um, you're right. It It's a tragic thing. And yet there's some kind of dark humor to it all.
2: Exactly. And I thought that it was just, that's a perfect way to set up the opening scene of this movie. It was
1: brilliant. It was brilliant. Um, what I like about this movie is a lot of the details. So for instance, uh, the scene where Arthur's sitting there and he's laughing at jokes out of time, <laughs> right? He's, he's laughing. He's not laughing at the punchline right? Like yeah, everyone else is laughing. He's off by a few right? seconds. Yeah, he's off. And, um, he's looking around while he's laughing and it's like, you're you kind of feel bad. You're like, you feel bad for the audience. Cause they're looking at him like he's a crazy person. Like, it kind of dude, is. why, why are you laughing at the wrong time? You know? And he's looking around at them. Like, why are you laughing at the wrong time? It's like, it's totally missing, you know, everything. And I like those those details because it shows you right from the start, you know that that Arthur, he's trying his best. He's doing everything he can. He's playing the the deck that's been handed to him. The problem is that the deck he's been given, they've already taken out all the best cards. So all he has is, you know, uh. You know, two through ten. He doesn't. He doesn't have any kings. Doesn't have any queens. Doesn't have any jacks. He has nothing good in the deck, right? You've stripped him of all of the good cards, so he can't play a hand that's ever going to win.
2: Yeah. So it's a brilliant way of putting it.
1: Yeah, and, and you know that's um, it's a tough thing to see, right? And like I said, I I was very sympathetic, especially early on, in this movie for his character, and I wouldn't say that I. I wouldn't say that I, I never felt sympathy for him after a certain point, but at a certain point in this movie, you know, I when he started committing the violent acts, um you start to think, I just wish somebody could help him. I yeah. wish somebody yeah. could could have gotten him sooner. Um, I wish that he didn't slip through the cracks uh, like so many people do in society. And this is um, a very tragic take on a person who is is suffering from mental illness and they slip through the cracks. Uh, He's just the one person with the right ingredients that manages to do that.
2: And it's just the right point in time where the acts he... He takes on ended up being you know, polit- political and people started rioting and it, as he continued on it just it benefited him in the worst possible way that he ended up creating followers that also followed in his footsteps and created more violence and it's not helped by the people who are privileged in society mocking those who are uprising but it's it's tragedy upon tragedy.
1: Yeah. It, it's definitely true. I...
2: It's like the people of high society are reveling in the fact that these people are going crazier. It's just... It's so hard to watch.
1: It is hard. I mean, there's commentary to a certain extent on celebrity and... Almost like a um a dark version of like the Pied Piper mm-hmm. kind of element to it, you know, because I mean obviously the Joker isn't his intention wasn't well, Arthur, but yeah, basically the Joker. Like his intent wasn't to for this to happen. Right? I mean he's to cause of, this Right. He's just revolution. a surprise that, that he's got all these people that are doing things and copying him and whatever. Yeah. Um but it's still like a commentary on people blind, blindly following somebody that they don't really even understand.
2: Yeah, exactly. They, he's just become a symbol that they blindly follow. Yeah. Essentially. Oh yeah. Um, do you want, do you want to talk about, do you have any, get these out of the way, any dislikes about the movie? Because I have a ton of likes that I'm going to dive into, but if there's any critiques, I say we just get them out of the way.
1: Um, well, okay. So, you know, I, I talked about how this movie <clears throat> borrows a lot of elements from Taxi Driver. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I guess if I have any criticisms is that it kind of follows Travis Bickle's journey a little too closely in a lot of ways. If you watch Taxi Driver, if you watch this Taxi Driver and then you watch this movie, you're going to see in a very, very similar arc to the characters, kind of like the slow eventual unraveling of Mm -hmm. both characters. Um, and while Travis Bickle is a very different character in his own right, I do think that the beats are kind of similar. Very. Um, so in a lot of ways, I feel, I feel like on one hand, I have no problem with this movie taking and utilizing Taxi Driver as an inspiration and paying homage to you know one of the greatest movies of all time. But I do feel like at times it fails to almost say, hey, you're an inspiration. You've done you know, so much to inspire cinema. I'm kind of using you as a bit of a template, but I'm going to go off my own little direction over here. So I feel like it they, they could have changed it up a little bit, taken some of those beats, you know, change some things to kind of make his character in the arc feel a little less like Travis Bickle and his eventual descent as well. Um, You know, other than that, I would say the ending uh, bothered me only because I didn't, I didn't like, um, so at the end of the movie, he's talking to the therapist
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and he talks about how, um, he has a dream, right, about the, the Waynes and and you know, that he inspired somebody to kill them. And I wish that they would have just ended it there. And I I just feel like uh, that wasn't the like they kind of went off a little further in there about the possibility of him killing, uh running running down the hall, possibly, you know, having killed someone. There's a little bit of an up in the airness aspect to that, mm-hmm. whether what you're seeing is real or not.
2: Whether if it was entirely real or entirely fantasy, it's up to us. to.
1: But I I do wish they would have just cut it to black after that. That would have been better.
2: Yeah, it was kind of like, it's fine watching him like walk away with the bloody footprints. It was kind of like, it kind of felt like, you know, Scooby-Doo when he's like running from the uh, (laughs) um, guards back and forth down that hall. (laughs) (laughs) just like you feel like you're popping out of different doors it just it didn't feel like it matched with the movie very much and like I understand the purpose of why it's there it's kind of leaving up like this could have been entirely fantasy or some of it could have been some of it might not have been or this really is the aftermath but it was such a powerful moment where you know he puts on the Joker's smile with his own blood and there's that just you know, the roar of his followers and as he's like triumphant on that car, if they had ended it there, it would have been brilliant. But I do understand where they're going. Like they're kind of open ending it just in case this does go into another movie.
1: Sure. Yeah. We're going to leave it open. You don't know what can happen. This might be the start of something.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It really could be. And I wouldn't doubt if they, made another one honestly but i'd feel bad for walking phoenix because he had to lose like 52 pounds i hope they don't make him do that again
1: (laughs) yeah well he's dedicated We know that he
2: really is uh so i have two other things that i didn't like one is the child actor who plays Bruce wayne that kid Uh, is dead inside
1: (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) there's
2: not a single emotion that passes on that kid's face
1: yeah i don't feel like they made the best choice there
2: No, and Um, it's you know nothing against the kid it's you know there was a poor choice in casting him and whether it was the intent to have him just be emotionless i I just think it was a poor choice all around i mean your parents just died in front of you and nothing on that face not a damn feeling (laughs) it's just like why even choose this kid if it's not going to lead to somewhere you know
1: yeah that kid that kid can't be you know brought back
2: no, but it was a nice little touch when, uh, uh, Arthur went to visit the Wayne Manor and the kid is on a play set. And when he comes down, he slides down the, uh, the pole from the play set. they're like, Oh, it's going to be Batman. <laughs> you know, just a little homage. That so was a nice touch. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing that bothered me uh, was the death of Thomas and Martha. It was very mediocre just kind of a blip in the movie, very quick, nothing to it. And it felt like that should have been a moment that there should have been a moment. I'm not saying that the Joker should have been the one to do it, but I'm saying they should have had a little more of a moment than just like, like it maybe was like a minute tops. It was just a blip in the movie.
1: I think that was intentional. And I think, I think they didn't want to land on that too hard. Just Mm -hmm. like they didn't want to feature the Wayne's, too much in this movie one because it's not their movie um and I think if they would have if they would have paid more attention to the Waynes than they did in this movie if they would have paid more attention to their deaths I feel like it may have I feel like in a way it may have hurt this movie I think what you would find is let's say there's a sequel to this movie mm-hmm. that is when you're gonna get this scene played over again and it's going to linger because maybe the next movie will be called Bruce or I don't know, Batman, <laughs> or, Batman or, we'll just... or, or whatever, or, or you know, I, like his origin story. So now we're going to see his origin story and we're going to, you know, we're to see the whole scene played out. Uh, but this from his point of view, and we'll see the the scene linger and stretch out as it's supposed to. I think it was meant to be almost like invoke um yeah, just another bit of violence.
2: And maybe it's like also that this is from Arthur's perspective, this entire movie. He wouldn't focus so, on it. So yeah, maybe the death of them, it's nothing to him. He's not gonna care about that. Like, right. It meant nothing to him. Right. All right, I can understand, I can get behind that. So let's dive into some moments we really loved. Um when like this moment is one of my favorites just for the horrible comedic factor. <laughs> and it's the scene where Arthur has, you know, he's killed the people on the train. Mm-hmm. Um he's got invited onto the talk show. He hasn't gone onto the talk show yet, but he's at his home, he's doing his makeup, and Randall and Gary show up. And you know, he takes his revenge out on Randall. You, know, you, see, you see him just bash this guy's head in and he's just kind of sitting on the ground. Randall makes a go, or uh, Gary makes a go pass him to the door and he's too short to open the door because it's locked. <laughs> and he has to ask Arthur to open it. And it's it's so horrible, but funny at the same time. And the fact that, you know, Arthur says like, you're always nice to me. And lets him go. Like that's why you always gotta be nice to the weird guy in your office. <laughs> For <Yeah>. this reason.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is. Um Yeah, totally. Um I like I'll tell you what, I I like the scene early in the movie with his mom. Um Which one? Well, the one where he's kind of like like helping her like bath. Mm-hmm. And, talking to her and talking to her and you know it's relatively early right so so it's we're not that far in and it it's before things get really really bad yeah for him and i like that because it's a moment where we get to see i think to a degree even for just a, just a few moments a kind a happy arthur right it's just like it's like this moment of pure almost like a ray of sunshine for him where he's just, he's with his mother. He's, he's bathing her and he's helping her and he's laughing and they're joking. And it's, um, it's a moment that stuck with me because, you know, knowing what he becomes and knowing the route that he goes, it just, for some reason it stuck with me. And I remember thinking about that scene at the end of the movie when I was, was done the, you know, the, 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 Movie was over. I was just sitting there and thinking about all the the whole movie, thinking about the scenes that really affected me, and there's a lot. For some reason, I don't know why. I just I think it's because that scene in so many ways is such an antithesis to everything else we see in the movie in a lot of ways. Um I I, I don't know why. It seems like such a throwaway nothing scene. But to me, it's in a lot of ways it's more sad and depressing than anything else because of how fleeting that moment is for him.
2: Mm-hmm. And like, that's his ha- hat. This is only happiness is he really loves his mom.
1: Yeah.
2: And what he loves most is, you know, he talks to her and he watches the Murray show with her. That's his happy moment. That's all he has for happy moments. And they're very brief, but it's, it's so upsetting what ends up happening with his mother. Uh, and
1: yeah, it is. <sighs>
2: We'll dive into this a bit but so basically Arthur you know finds out that Thomas Wayne maybe his father or at least his mother seems to think so but you know Tom when he goes to confront Thomas he tells him like your mom was crazy you know and you were adopted and he finds the medical papers that show you know supporting that theory but it also makes a point telling us you know He could have changed those documents. So we still don't know whether if it's true or whether it was a cover up by Thomas, but nonetheless, Arthur believes it. I mean, there's the documents right in front of him. There's newspaper articles that would go to a lot of effort to have to fake that. So of course he's going to believe that. And that's the deterioration of his relationship with his mother. The one happy thing that kept him going in life, it was just taken away in that moment. And that's a huge breaking point.
1: Right. I mean, it's, it's a it's a tragic relationship because, look, his mom, you know, tried to burn him alive as a child. If you believe right? that. If you believe that. Now, granted, right, we, we don't entirely know if that's true. But let's say it is true. You know, tried to burn him alive as a child. They both spent time in the same asylum, the same mental mm-hmm. facility, right? So, like, that's a common bond they share. If you believe it, then... Then yeah, I mean it's it's um again it it's a it's a weird relationship. It's definitely got some unsettling aspects, and again that doesn't but that doesn't detract in a lot of ways for me about that scene I was talking about because it's still you can still see the joy on his face regardless. Yeah, it of, was real. Right, regardless of the trauma, regardless of anything that happened in the past, in that moment it didn't matter. Exactly so it touched me so.
2: Yeah and. I think it's important to like note in this movie, like even in like you have the end and where it gives you the opportunity the entire thing could be a fantasy, but you also have the movie sets it up in where certain parts can be fantasy, and it shows us some parts that are you know fantasies to to Arthur, and others are up for our own interpretation. And what I like about the asylum scene is when he's looking through those papers, he's in like he's in the staircase that he's run away to looking through them, you hear the door open upstairs and that could be the snap in his psyche. Like someone probably came and took him into the asylum and that's where he stayed. And the rest could have been fantasy. It just leaves it open for us that that happened. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a great detail just to have that door opening. We don't know what happens after that, but the fact that it's there could mean that the rest was fantasy in his head.
1: Yeah. Um let's talk uh yeah, let, let's talk about uh another thing that didn't happen. All right, so I was sitting in the movie. Mm-hmm. And so after Arthur made his initial kill, he goes to Sophie's um apartment. Apartment. Knocks on the door, she opens it up, and they just start full on going at it.
2: He kisses her, she shuts the door. And we right. assume that's
1: the beginning of the relationship. And and I'm sitting there and I'm just like, God, really?
2: No fucking like, way. What's the
1: likelihood that this guy, this like weird guy, is gonna just knock on this beautiful girl's door, you know, and that no, that can't be That's too weird. And I thought I thought that they just made their first big misstep in this movie. I thought that. I was like, oh man, here it is. Here's the first thing. And then we find out no, 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 no. It's because it never happened.
2: Everything beyond their conversation in the elevator was entirely fantasy.
1: It was all in his head. It and was, that, I yep. I
2: didn't see that coming. Like I always thought it was weird that, you know, she you know stuck by him and like was in this weird relationship. Like no sane woman would be that understanding and chill and have these opinions that were so the same as Arthur's it just, it didn't fit. And, but it's really subtly done that like your brain just, you know, you don't click on it right away. So when that moment happens that, you know, it's revealed to us that was entirely fantasy, you're like, Oh my God, <laughs> it was one of those just shocking moments.
1: Yeah, it is. Um, It's very shocking. Um I was surprised by the outcome myself. I didn't really think, that I just thought, you know, this, this relationship doesn't make any sense. I don't get it. I don't know why they're doing this. And then to find out that it was all just, it was all in his head. Brilliant. It was brilliant. Yeah.
2: And do you, it in the movie implies to us that, you know, when he looks at her, he does the, you know, shooting his head motion, and it kind of cuts to him leaving the apartment and ambulance sirens are going by to apply that he killed her. Do you believe that? Or do you think it was more, she was calling the ambulance for him?
1: Um, That's a hard one. If I guess if I had to pick, I would say that she was calling the ambulance. I that's could be I wrong. So. I could be wrong.
2: Because he is in the mental state that he, you know he can separate. You know people that were nice to him, he's not going to hurt. It's people that he sees as wronged him that he's taking out. I don't think he would do that
1: to her. No, I I agree. I I have a hard, I have a hard time believing that that would happen. I guess. Yeah. So. Yes, yeah. yeah, so
2: I agree. There, I think she's still alive.
1: Yeah. yeah and
2: definitely. if there's a sequel, I'd love her to come back. She's great.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, she's fantastic. Yeah. Um, so I'm uh, trying to think here. How? What do you think we should? Anything else to So much to talk so about, I mean, to there's, talk there's, there's, but, there's, but it's just like
2: we might as well talk about the entire movie. You know?
1: Yeah. The, the <laughs> what else in the script do you want to talk about?
2: Um, let's see. Talk about the major things that I think well, were most important. Let's, let's talk
1: about Robert De Niro. Let's talk about. Let's talk about the he fact. Was fantastic. That, so you know, obviously, you know Robert De Niro was in the King, the King of Comedy, mm-hmm. and oh, another great movie, by the way. And if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. Um, so in this, uh, he's kind of doing a riff on Johnny Carson. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robert De Niro is.
2: Yeah, even like the set is very similar.
1: Very similar. And so, um, what did you think about like the the whole scene when, when Arthur comes out? Like, what yeah, were that's your thoughts?
2: Brilliantly, brilliantly written. I'll say that right off the bat. Um, but I also think that it could have been entirely his fantasy. Sure. Because, you know, he de- at the beginning, he doesn't appear to be, you know, Murray isn't somebody who doesn't seem like he would be the one to poke fun at him or anybody else. And it seems like that would be kind of comedic suicide to do that, even in like the early eighties. But if it was true and this whole scene comes to fruition, it's brilliantly acted. I think it's brilliantly written. It's horrible for Arthur. Like this is the full on Joker emerging and, and it's amazing. <laughs> but and it, I certainly don't think that the guy had it coming by any means it's just it's he Arthur thinks he's wronged him because he looked at him as a father figure yeah that's he it's horrible but that's the one thing he had happy in his life you know with his mom watching the show he would fantasize about you know being on the Murray show being singled out for his awkwardness, but then kind of being like told, Oh, you're like, you're kind of like the son I never had. Like he has that fantasy that we're privy to. And, you know, he feels that his father figure has wronged him. So he's just another person he's going to take out. And it's, it's so tragic.
1: Yeah. um, It is tragic. And, and everything that happens there, you know, in, in the back end of that movie. I mean, I, I was floored.
2: Yeah.
1: I was floored. I mean, I didn't expect, I didn't, I didn't expect that death. <laughs> um, I, I, I guess I was, I was expecting it to swerve in a different direction. I don't mean that is a negative. I just simply didn't expect it to happen, I guess. I was thinking for some other re- for some odd reason that was going to go in a different direction. And it didn't. Uh, that's not to the film's detriment, by the no. way.
2: Yeah, I think that was a good choice on their part. You know, they're kind of building us up to being like, yeah, you know, he was going to finally end his miserable life, but on on live TV, so the world could see and you know expose you know people for who he thinks have wronged him, that they're horrible and need to be this needs to be put out there. But it just he has this kind of epiphany while talking to Murray, and just snaps. <laughs> Murray says the wrong things and it ends his life for it. Like, like, honestly, it's also an example of what happens if you push people, like if you make a mockery of people, like they're going to eventually lash back out at you. And I'm not saying to this degree by any means, but you have to expect that you're going to hurt somebody enough that it's going to come back to you. (laughs)
1: Yeah, it definitely could. And, you know, if you look at the ending, right, so Arthur meets, you know, people who are dressed like him, like a clown. um, Because he's joined this movement and and these people have taken after him. Um, And, in fact, you know, it's one of these people that is the one that kills uh, the the Waynes. So... Mm Arthur is, you know, indirectly uh, a part of it, and I I enjoy that. I thought that was I, I did I it was a nice touch, but I think the whole point is that um, you know people are going to find who they want to follow, good or bad. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep.
1: Um, as long as that person embodies the things they're looking for, they'll they'll follow them. And there's a dark glamour in that kind of. Um, I guess that kind of celebrity—you know—when you're, you're. I mean, you can celebrate whoever you want. You can anybody can be a celebrity. Some are going to yeah. be because they're movie stars. Uh, other people are going to be popular because they
2: made a sex tape,
1: right? And and so on and so forth. I mean, in, in insert any reason. Somebody will gravitate to it. Yep. And that's kind of. What happens in this movie? That people gravitate to him. Uh, they reflect a kind of certain anger that's been bubbling beneath the surface, and that's kind of where it gets channeled.
2: Yeah, and it births the Joker. I mean, it's an amazing scene too. Like, there he's in custody, obviously going to be taking taken somewhere, and someone gets a hold of an ambulance yep. crashes into their car and they free him. And you know, he makes the Joker smile with his own blood. And it's just, it is extremely powerful. And it, it leaves it open too that. You know, if This is not a fantasy. This is real. Here's the Joker. He could easily take over Arkham. He has people following him that would follow his word. It's all set up right there. If they wanted to pursue it.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: It was, it was it's so well done. Like they leave so many things open for you know, to do whatever they want.
1: Yeah, and I and I like the the look of the Joker. Um yeah. they used they use uh, a design very similar to, to John Wayne Gacy, who was They sure
2: uh, did was, appointed.
1: Yeah, very much. Uh for people that don't know who John Wayne Gacy uh is, he was a serial killer who would entertain children uh dressed as Pogo the Clown. So yep. You know, Which is the name
2: of the nightclub that uh, Arthur would do a stand-up at.
1: Correct.
2: And uh, like Arthur, he was somebody who did the pointed like triangles like, on his eyes, but that was something that clowns normally didn't do because it's a sharp edge and that can be just it may look menacing to children. But, you know, Charlie Casey was a serial killer, so he didn't really care that much. Yeah. He killed like 30 teenage boys. It's awful, and I, I understand they want to make that scary quality to Arthur Fleck, but I think that is the extent of it. They're not saying that he's anything like John Wayne Gacy. It's just they want to have that menacing quality to him in the makeup.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, all right. Do you want to do, do some trivia? Um. Well, before that, why don't we why don't we give our script grade? okay um, so we can do that uh what is your script grade a 95,
2: 95. <laughs> and i think this script is phenomenal in the way it's set up i have very few problems with it so we've talked about it they're very minuscule on the whole i think this is a damn near perfect script in the fact that you know it's if you want to believe as it's laid out, you can. If you want to believe it is entirely fantasy or a mixture of both, you can. It leaves it up for any kind of interpretation you want. It can lead to any kind of story that it wants to, That's whether it's related to the DC Batman universe or not. And I think that is just brilliant that you can do leave all those loose ends while still creating something that's just entirely whole and powerful. So it's definitely a 95 for me.
1: Okay. Um, it is a 92 for me. Um, Ooh, I just close. Very, very, very similar. And uh, I don't really have a whole lot to add to that. I just I feel like in general, it is pretty phenomenal. So uh, give me some trivia.
2: All right. So um, almost all the shots in Joker are one takes because of uh walking phoenix you know he lost 52 pounds his health he was super malnourished he had to be really careful with the amount of energy he exuded so a lot of these scenes are just one and done for the majority of the movie and i think that's pretty phenomenal considering some of these scenes especially that opening scene they talked about how like when he was doing his makeup that is one take and it's brilliant
1: yeah it is brilliant it's it's very very well done um I I like so there's a lot of trivia for this by the way. I mean there's a ton <laughs> of trivia. Um beyond uh using Martin Scorsese as a um kind of a cornerstone to the look and feel of this movie, they used Alan Mo- Alan Moore's uh, The Killing Joke. Uh-huh. Uh which which tells the Joker's origin story and I feel like um you know beyond that the uh, I guess Raging Bull was used as an influence as well as The King of Comedy, which I mentioned earlier. I definitely feel like Taxi Driver, The King of Comedy, definitely. Uh, Raging Bull, I can see some elements of that, although I feel like out of all three of those, that one's the least influential, at least mm-hmm. the way I looked at it. Um, and then, of course, The Killing Joke, which is great.
2: Yeah, in Walking um, Phoenix, uh, he based his laugh on watching videos of people who actually did suffer from pathological laughter. and But he also said that was probably the most difficult part of playing the Joker was getting the laugh correct. And the laugh is great. He ends up portraying this really creepy. But, like, that's the thing I want to talk about is just Walking Phoenix is acting, too. Just touching on this really quick, that he can do this laughter, but his eyes are, you know, embarrassed, sad. And the fact that he can do that dual emotion is just, Oh, fantastic. Honestly.
1: Yeah. It's uh, very impressive. Um, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a laugh that is uh, unique in a lot of ways. Uh, I'd probably say the closest thing that I can compare it to would be Mark Hamill. Uh, yeah. In a lot of ways, although, although it's different though. I mean, it's just, it, there's different, there's a different emotion behind Joaquin Phoenix's version of that laughter, uh, as compared to Mark Hamill, uh, for the animated, uh, Joker. But, um, let, let's talk about, uh, oh, by the way, it, it's an overall grade for the script is 93. Uh, acting, um, I'm giving it a 92. Uh, uh, and the reason I'm giving it 92 is uh, the, the kid acting. Not great. Um, oh, that kid. It's not a huge deal. He's not in that much of the movie, but it's still, like you said, it's it's just stands out when you talk about, Bugs, yeah. you know, the, the, the acting in this movie. And then that's just not great. But yeah,
2: get a new kid if you continue the song. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, but but Joaquin Phoenix, it, obviously, he's the star here. Like, this is his movie. This is a star-making performance. I totally feel like he could, his version of the Joker can stand side by side with Heath Ledger. I'm not gonna get here. I'm not gonna talk about who I feel is the better Joker. I think that that is a moot thing. I think it's ridiculous. They're um, different
2: Jokers. They're different
1: Jokers, and I think they're both unbelievable performances. Agreed. I think. Joaquin Phoenix deserves to be nominated for Academy Award. I don't yes, I don't believe that Academy Awards in the end mean as much as you know, maybe some people like to think they do. But um, but still, I mean if, if we are talking about awards of any kind, I do feel like he deserves to be at least be nominated if he doesn't win it. Uh, Absolutely. but I think he definitely at, least, at the very least deserves a nomination. But uh, otherwise, everyone else in this movie does a great job. It's, it's supporting performances um, by, you know, a few really, you know, excellent actors. You know, Francis Conroy is great. Um, Zazie Beats is great. I mean, they're all, everybody in this movie, De Niro, great. I mean, everybody brings their A-game. Everyone knows that this is a, a good script and a project they want to work on but they have to bring the very best and they do so yeah Absolutely. i gave it in 92
2: i keep acting in 99 and i think that's probably the highest wow. i've ever given acting wow i was just that yeah. blown away by walking phoenix's performance that one mark off is specifically for that kid <laughs> and i i hold nothing against the kid like who knows what the reasons were but the fact is like that was just kind of what you know, a hard spot in the movie is just seeing this, you know, no emotions from this kid. But on the whole, I'm pretty flabbergasted by like, <laughs> watching Joaquin Phoenix. I'm going to see this again, specifically to watch closer his acting. It's it's brilliant. Like the fact that he can convey all these emotions and, especially like, like I talked about, you know, when he's trying to control his laughter And like he's apologizing to that woman on like the bus and he's so apologetic, but he can't stop laughing. It's brilliant to be able to do that. And uh, yeah, like I think, I think he totally deserves 99. Okay. Least for me.
1: (laughs) Okay. Uh, All right. Let's talk about um, directing.
2: Todd Phillips. Good job. Like really great. Um, I watched like a, an interview with him where he kind of broke down like the, uh, the opening scene. He's very blunt, very good at explaining why he's doing something, the reasons for it. And it makes sense. And I think that's brilliant. And he's very humble about it too. Like he gives credit, a lot of credit to walking Phoenix, his cinematographer. And, but the way he talks about it, it's great. I think he did a really great job directing and setting up this movie. that um, I kind of jumped on that, but I, I gave it a 97.
1: Wow. Ooh. Yeah.
2: I was really impressed.
1: Wow. Um, I gave it a 92.
2: You're 92 across the board.
1: Yeah. Isn't so it crazy? Far. Like 92, 92. I guess I didn't see that 92. Yeah. she was. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, look, I, I thought that, that this is um this is not Todd Phillips hangover director. This, you know, the, the hangover movies. This is uh Todd Phillips you know really trying to make a serious movie and look apart like apart from the whole, you know, using taxi driver and some of the Scorsese movies as inspiration the fact remains that uh this showcases him as a director with a you know enormous amount of talent and i think if he's given something that requires him to push himself you can get a movie like this uh it's a it's a great looking movie it, it the colors the the color palette the shot selection stands out there's a lot of close-ups in this movie. you gotta, you got to get into Arthur's face. You've got to see his emotion. You've got to see the depression and the sadness. And you have to see the, the moments where he's joyful, but then juxtaposed with the moments where he's you know being crushed by the world. And um, I feel like he knows exactly what shots he needs to get to make this movie. So, uh, yeah. So anyway, it's a 92 for me. And so that's a 94 overall for directing and for acting. It's a 96. Nice. Um, okay. So, um, let's look at, so here's a question. Special effects. Um, I put, what did you put down for special effects?
2: I put a 96, and it's more for the practical effects that I thought were done executed really well. There are some special effects like you know, adding in city more city than there is, right? But it's very it's just Subtle. touches here and there.
1: I gave it a ninety. Um, mm-hmm. I guess I just I mm, I couldn't go above a ninety. I thought that the makeup and the uh, special effects with the blood and what little you know CG was there I thought was excellent, but I wasn't willing to go higher than that myself, just because I feel like at a certain point uh, I need to see some real, real CGI on the screen to go higher. But, but still, it's a, it's a good grade uh, for both of us. It's ninety six for you, ninety for me, so it's a ninety three, and that's definitely an excellent uh, overall grade for special effects.
2: And I commend them for not doing like CGI just for the sake of CGI. That they they're very restrained, and I know they didn't have like a huge budget or anything like that, but. I think if you inserted like too much CGI into this movie, it may have taken away the the eighties kind of quality to it. It had to be very, you know, practical.
1: Right. If that makes sense. Yes. All right. So let's move on to um pacing. So I thought this movie was in, was incredibly well paced. Mm-hmm. Um you know it as a, it's a 2 hour movie it knows the story it wants to tell there are not a lot of scenes in this movie i personally felt like either didn't need to be there or needed to be trimmed and that's yeah, a good I thing i can't think of any um i gave it a 90 um i i think it's it's just a well-paced film i think it it's um like i said there there's there's very little fat on this movie and that's a good thing. That's what you yeah. want. You want a it's movie really that is uh stripped of as much fat, get all the extraneous stuff out of there and just give me the movie. Exactly. Um, and this movie, I feel like does that job. So I, yeah, I gave it an ID.
2: Yeah, I'm really close to yours. I give it an ID one and I agree with everything you said. It's really well paced. You know, it's a slow burn in the beginning and then it kind of really ramps up. And, but that's, you know, it's a reflection on Arthur's sanity and it's his descent. And I think I think it pairs very well with the story. It's well paced. I I agree with you. I never noticed the pacing. I never felt like you needed to speed up or or slow it down. So I agree. Ninety one is my my pacing.
1: Ninety one. Yeah. Okay. Um all right. Rewatchability, Sarah. Uh what about you? What are what's your rewatchability grade?
2: Hundred because I'm probably gonna see this again and probably a third time <laughs> before it goes out of theater.
1: Wow. Yeah. Really. Yeah. I mean, this is a movie that deserves to be rewatched, and I think it's gonna be a movie ultimately that um, it's gonna it's gonna be one of those movies I feel like people are going to pour over. Yep. Because I I feel like this movie will do a lot of good in a way for expanding what comic book movies can be.
2: Absolutely. You don't have to stick to your comic book. And like a lot of people have, of course, flex the muscles of, you know, the comic books and deviating. But this is entirely like there's inspiration, but that's about it. Everything else is just, it's its own being, but it still has made its impact on the DC world. And it's just, that's the way it should be in standalone can just be, it can have no connection at all, but it's still there, you know? Yeah. And this, um, part of the trivia is that this movie is meant to start a new company that will produce standalone DC movies. And I really think that's what DC needs right now. They're trying too much to play catch up to Marvel or to be the equal to Marvel. And it's just, it's never worked for them. They have certain things that work, like, you know, Wonder Woman was brilliant, but a lot of movies have failed because they're just rushing too much. They need to have, you know, movies that are allowed to stand on their own.
1: Well, you know, we talked about this before. I mean, not to get into this too much, but I feel like DC lacked the patience. Yes. um, In that desire to play catch up, forced them to cut corners. Get scripts done way quicker than they ever should have been, um, and just to me led to very poor results for a reason with their movies. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, Uh you look. This is a movie that could help change superhero movies, and I'm not disparaging superhero movies. I I love. I love them. Um, I enjoy many of the movies that come out. Um, Some of them stick with me longer than others. Some I I enjoy while I watch them, but I don't think about them all that much.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Now, I do want to say, before I go any further, I'm not, again, I'm not trying to disparage superhero movies that are not r-rated um there's this idea that you know it's, it's how do i want to put this it's like when people compare comedy to drama everybody everybody oh wow i've never talked to anybody that doesn't acknowledge the fact that, that comedy is harder than drama it just is Because everyone has a different idea of what makes them laugh. Everyone has a different style of comedy that they enjoy. So finding something that appeals to a lot of people, making it funny, is not easy. Being funny is harder than making somebody cry. You can make somebody cry easily. Making somebody laugh, that's not easy. But at the same time, everybody acknowledges the fact that comedy is harder. Still, comedy is looked down upon.
2: Yeah, it is the... like it, Drama is what gets Oscars. Comedy is
1: what else what's tickets? just
2: there. Yeah, exactly. It's, People just, get it's you, mass produced.
1: Right, and and I feel like... Um, so I'm trying not to compare this in a way that's similar to that way in comics. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that if you make an R-rated movie, superhero movie, that it will automatically make it better than a non-R-rated superhero movie. But I will just say this. Okay, having said that, think about the best comic book movies that have come out in the last 15 years. No, let's go 20 years. All right? The best comic book movies that have come out in the last 20 years um. Well, let's start out with, uh, uh, why can't I think of it?
2: <laughs> like, we have some greats, like, you know, everything to do with like, the Infinity War, uh, building up to it, and they're PG, and they're amazing, but then you have something like Deadpool that's R, and it works really well to it.
1: Right. Like, look, the best superhero movies that come out in the last 20 years, Unbreakable, which I yeah, still, it's pretty amazing. which I still consider to be among the all-time greats.
2: Yeah, I mean,
1: uh, the Dark Knight. Yes. Okay. Um, Logan.
2: That was really, and it was one of those standalone type of movies as well.
1: The Joker. Uh, Avengers, I think. I mean, I hate to say it, but I got to kind of combine them: Infinity War and and Endgame. It's it's really one big movie in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um and you probably could toss out a few more there. Um maybe Guardians of the Galaxy, uh Iron Man uh probably stands uh, out there just because it kind of started everything. Um and maybe maybe Captain America Civil or uh, Captain America uh, the Winter Soldier. Yeah, yeah. You know, but I mean, if you look at the movies, if you you look at the very, very best, a lot of them are are R-rated or much more kind of slow-paced, methodical, um, more of a drama, more of a character study kind of a movie, Mm -hmm. darker, more mature themes, And again, I'm not saying that just because these movies are darker, because that's fine. It doesn't have to be. But just because they're darker doesn't necessarily make them better movies. But I think what we're seeing here, and part of the reason why these movies are being heralded, is because they are so much different. On top of the fact that they're really good movies. And they're Um,
2: taking more chances.
1: Take more chances. I think you're going to see this happen a lot more. Superhero movies that try different things. Yep. And I feel like that's the direction that these movies are going to go in. You're going to see them diverging in different directions, taking inspiration from different movies. Guardians obviously took inspiration. uh, when that came out, you know, from, I mean, obviously the comics, but, uh, Star Wars, Mm -hmm. obviously. Um, but, you know, Logan took inspiration from, you know, Westerns of the sixties. Um, you're going to start seeing movies that do that. The superhero movies that are really great are going to have a different flavor. And I think that's what we're seeing here. Absolutely. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Um. Okay. So if we add up the grade, Sarah, uh, and I'll go over them again here. Overall, 93 for script, uh, 96 for acting, uh, 94 for directing, 93 for special effects, 90 for pacing, and let's see. We watch what did a- you give for rewatchability? Oh, that's right. Sorry, I forgot to give you that. Uh, 85. Oh, um, only because it's a it's a movie that I will enjoy watching. And as much as I enjoy it, it's just it's not. I can't just pop it in at any time. It's it's a it's a two-hour movie, so it goes by quickly. But it's a descent into the mind of a character. I don't know that I can jump into every day. Gotcha. But I still think it's excellent. So, ninety-two for rewatchability. Um, overall grades, I gave it a ninety-one, and you gave it a ninety-six.
2: Sounds about right.
1: So. Right. So 93? 93. Like, yeah. Is Which 93.
2: is pretty on point with like audience reviews and IMDb. I think IMDb is like a 9.0 right now. Yeah. I think we're on the mark.
1: Yeah. I just thought, I thought it was excellent. I think it's an excellent movie. I think it deserves um, a lot of praise. And like, I know that there are people that don't like this movie. There are people that have a lot of problems with this movie and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it, you know, you and I both enjoy it a lot, but I know just just kind it's of not everyone's it. cup of tea. Right. I've, I've done I've done a cursory look, and um, you know, there are people that say, "Look, this this, this is not good good movie." Um, yeah. And that's fine. It's that's why we do this. Uh, it's it's a divisive movie. There's no doubt about it. But I think it stands out for a lot of reasons. I think they took a lot of care in the script. I think the performances are nuanced. I think the script itself is nuanced. I think it has a lot to say. I think it tries to do as much as it can in two hours. And that's commendable.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. It really accomplished a ton in the time it was given, not just for like the story, but also for what it means going forward that we may get more movies and that you know productions may allow for more of these movies to happen and we might see some flops but we may see more things that are as great as this and c- can't say no to that
1: <laughs> yeah yeah definitely uh it's it's definitely a movie that deserves to be seen and you may come out of this movie loving it you may come out of this movie hating it and you could be anywhere in between but like i said in my one sentence review I think regardless should we come out You'll be coming out of this movie, talking about this movie. Mm-hmm. You might sit down after you've watched this movie and talk to your friends for like an hour, two hours, three hours about this movie. It's that kind of movie.
2: Yeah, it, it totally is. Like everyone has, will come out with their own view of what happened to that movie. And that's what makes, you know, it a movie that you can talk about, you know, where you have a theory, somebody else is going to have a theory. Even walking Phoenix said that in an interview. It's like someone asked him, um, what he feels is, uh, how he feels about Arthur and what like his interpretation is. And he doesn't want to say that because it's, he doesn't want somebody else to hear that before they see the movie and go in with an already preset that he wants. The movie is set up for you to take away what you will. And that's brilliant.
1: Nope. No, I think it's totally perfect. Yeah. I think it's perfect. All right. Uh, Sarah, that wraps it up. I think that's it. Um, yeah, it, it's an excellent movie. I think it definitely deserves a lot of the praise it's getting. And if it's a movie you don't end up liking very much, uh, that's fine, certainly. Uh, but you should let us know. I think you should come to the, uh, to the website. Um, I think you should go to freakinggeeks.com, go to the webpage uh, dedicated to this episode, and you should review the movie. You can drag the slider bars, right, and uh, rate the movie like we do according to the same criteria um, and see what your overall grade is for The Joker.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think Absolutely. That's, yeah. We want
2: to hear what you think, guys think too, because you've heard us rabble on. We want to hear other people's opinions as well.
1: Yeah, you can. Um, you can also send us feedback by sending it to freakinggeeks or freakinggeeksmedia at gmail mm-hmm. Send in your uh, your emails. Let us know, and we'll we'll respond in the next podcast. You can also uh, find us on Twitter at uh, at freakgeeks media. Media, yep. <laughs> and yes, at freakgeeks media. So check us out there, and let us know what you think of the joke, or you know, do you agree with our opinions? Do you disagree? Um, we'd really like to hear what you think yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, Sarah, is there any uh, parting thoughts you'd like to share with the audience before we sign off?
2: I think we've covered everything we want to about this movie. It's fantastic. highly recommend seeing it and seeing it twice. Uh, yeah, so I think that's wraps it up for the Joker. We've talked on long enough about this.
1: yeah, it's it's definitely it's a lot to cover, but uh, it's definitely worth the time, truly. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Freaking Geeks podcast.
0: Later, geeks. Thanks for listening to the Freaking Geeks podcast. Be sure to visit freakinggeeks.com as well as our Patreon page at patreon.com slash freakinggeeks for more great content. Also, please consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. Trust us, it really helps if you'd like to write into the podcast and share your thoughts and ask questions, you can do so by sending your email to freakinggeeksmedia at gmail.com. You can contact Michael on Twitter using at Michael underscore Lanich. You can contact Sarah on Twitter using at Labyrinth Rose or at Freak Geeks.